It's time for Blessed to Play on EWTN Radio, uncovering the role that faith plays in the lives of sports professionals from around the country. And now, here's your host, Ron Meyer. Fire score! My guest today is a returning guest, Michael McGlynn. He played on the offensive line at the University of Notre Dame from 1990 to 94 under legendary coach Lou Holtz. He, in fact, played in all four major bowl games, the Orange, Sugar, Cotton, and Fiesta. And he's not just an offensive lineman close to 300 pounds, at least back then. He's very musically inclined. I had the chance to hear him sing, and what a wonderful voice he did have. He actually recorded with legendary musicians from Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine, the Allman Brothers Band, and Genesis. So here to talk about his new work, adorehimdaily.com. It's a website, but it's filled with great stories. Is the former Fighting Irish offensive lineman, Michael Michelin. Mike, thanks for coming on. Oh, how are you, friend? It's great great to talk to you again. It really is. So the, the number one question is, are you still 297? <laughs> Try not to be. We have two teenage sons. Uh, one's almost 16, the other one's 17. And I try to work out with both of them so they know I can still take them. But uh, they tease me uh, and have teased me about my gut. So you know, I was trying to keep the weight down these days. You know, those, you know, as time goes on and Lou Holtz's name comes up, he becomes more of a legendary coach because I think his players have matured. They've gone on to other things besides football, especially those who have not played in the NFL, and they reflect on his coaching style. It, it's a love-hate relationship when you're playing for Lou, and you had a, a chance to be in his presence for the better part of four years. So talk about reflecting back on, uh, you know, playing for a Hall of Fame coach, Lou Holtz. He, you know, it's like all of us in the moment, it's sometimes difficult to have that objectivity about the gift that you're receiving. Coach Holtz obviously was a consummate leader. There's a reason why organizations would retain his speaking services. Years later after the fact, and especially as I began to go deeper into my Catholic faith and really reclaim that in my life, I started to rerun a lot of the talks that he gave us, the the tidbits of advice and direction that he was constantly repeating to us on and off the field. And it was so gospel-oriented. It was so Christocentric. In many ways, they were steps on how to ultimately become a saint. Mm-hmm. And I think that Coach Holtz's wife, uh, Beth, God rest her soul, she passed uh, recently. I think that she made a huge impact on him. And somehow he was able to bring that forward to us, perhaps in ways that maybe he wasn't even fully aware of at the time. And so it was a great gift to all of us. And the proof is this, that if the best that those coaches under his leadership were doing were sowing seeds, a lot of those seeds have come to germinate today and be fruitful. When I look around at friends of mine, both Catholic and non-Catholic, actually, mm-hmm. classmen ahead of me and guys behind me, um, all the races on the team, the vast majority of them uh, who are married, 
who are married have maintained their marriages, their fathers. They are not only involved in their businesses, but they're also doing outreach as well. Mm-hmm. And so they have a higher aspiration than just themselves and sometimes even their families that they're living for. They're men of faith. And that, to me, has been a really awesome thing to discover as some of us have connected and just when you're on LinkedIn or you get some kind of a post from something and you see, wow, look what this guy is doing. Recently, there was a lineman that uh, was a couple of years behind me and we connected and it was just really awesome because the man that this guy is turning out to be, I couldn't have said, definitely seen back when we were on the offensive line. And I know he would probably <laughs> say the same for me. Yeah. And yet we have to go, go, you know, but for the grace of God and the people that God puts in your path, go I, because I've done nothing to get here except work hard. God's arranged everything. Mm-hmm. And I see that Coach Holtz was one of those leaders that a lot of us were really blessed to have in our path. Yeah, that's a good point, because it wasn't a monolithic group by any stretch. It wasn't all Catholics playing at Notre Dame. There's all races, you know, various races involved, religions. What would you say uh, was his um, M.O. for bringing a team together and making them a cohesive unit with all these varied backgrounds? Love, trust, and respect. You have to love the people that you're with. You have to trust them. And ultimately, you have to honor their heart. You have to honor who they are. You have to have not just respect, but you have to have reverence for them. There's a lot of men today that have never been shown how to be emotionally intimate with another man, to really show his feelings, to show his vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Coach Holtz always was talking about, you know, the, lo- the, ones you, the ones you laugh with are the ones that you cry with. That this, is, this is authentic manhood. It's, it's not brawn and muscle so much as it is being who you are and being humble and meek enough to show a bit of your heart to people around you because you need them, actually. You can trust them, you can love them, and they'll love you. And that really became the hallmark. And then, of course, it would get into other things like, you know, attention to details and doing the little, little things with great methodical care. And again, I mean, that's those are the spiritual exercises we hear from Ignatius. So there was a lot there, and the proof of it is the fruitfulness of the lives of these men. Yeah, very well said. It's not so much the national championship, but it's, I mean, that's part of the fruit, but also what these men have gone on to be, uh, husbands, fathers, and productive in society, and just good people in general. Blessed to play Ron Meyer. Chatting today with Michael McGlynn, he played on the offensive line for the University of Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish from 90 to 94. You had experienced adversity while you were at Notre Dame, Michael. It wasn't just, you know, um, I'm a you know blue chipper at a high school. I'm going to come and just, uh, you know, just sail along here at the University of Notre Dame. You, in fact, left the team and then came back. So there was a lot of battle going on within you. And I think adversity and overcoming that is a great theme of you being a Christian man. So talk about that and how you overcame that during your time playing for the Irish. It's interesting. Our sons are in high school today, and I'm astounded at the level of involvement that parents have to have in order to get their kids to be looked at by colleges, to be considered to be part of a program. Back in 1989, a lot of us were, I mean, the amount of 
letters that you were getting and the honors that were being presented to you, it was just a different deal. You just played the game. And then there was like this concierge service that showed up with, you know, letters and calls and, and this level of care. And I think the effect that that had on me, Ron, was that I didn't have the confidence that I really deserved any of it. My currency as a high school kid was primarily realized through my music skills. I worked hard at football and basketball, and I was blessed with height and size. But I never really believed that I was really as good as the honors that I was getting. And they were immense. First team All-American left tackle, USA Today. Crazy stuff. Like, where did this come from? How did they even know who I am? And so it had the effect when I got to college of being with other All-Americans and great performance and going, well, these guys have a great passion. All these guys want to go play in the NFL, and I don't. Mm -hmm. I want to go record music when I'm done here. And so I brought with me to Notre Dame an internal dilemma. And it was really only going to be God that was going to help that dilemma. The problem was the first two years I didn't have prayer in my toolbox. So as I started to slowly collapse under the weight of academic pressure and all the responsibilities of trying to keep a position, a backup, and then hopefully a starting position at left tackle, I started to make just really bad choices. And it culminated one summer in me living off campus. I wasn't supposed to. And it just was an opportunity to be autonomous, but it wasn't a good choice. And I broke the rules. And I got called onto the carpet one night during two-a-days right before school started. It was a really unpleasant experience, and I felt that there was a level of anger that was leveled against me and the other player that wasn't warranted because there were other guys on the team that were really doing some things that were not good, and no one said a word in terms of coaching, at least publicly. And this was a real public dressing down, so to speak, in front of the team. And I was already angry and had enough of it, so I quit. And it was really amazing that... Really, 48 hours later, I had decided to come back, and what happened was a dear uncle of mine that had been present in my whole life called me, somehow reached me in the dorm, and he didn't judge me. He didn't tell me I was right or wrong. He just said, Mike, what's going on? Tell me, and he just listened, and that's what I needed. I needed someone that would just listen to me because I knew that what I was doing was wrong. Mm -hmm. I was going uh, against my commitment for the scholarship. I was... Uh, going against the commitment I said to my parents that I would follow through with. And I knew in my heart that I was quitting. And one thing that men are very ashamed of is when we quit. It's just an honor piece. And so from that experience, I kind of saw the light. I think there was grace associated with it, certainly. And I came back to Coach Holtz, um, you know, a day plus later and said, Coach, I apologize. I've made a bad mistake. May I be, you know, be led on the team? He said, yeah, just apologize to the team. It was the easiest apology I ever had to make. Mm-hmm. And I remembered something about it, though. This was in the summertime, really August, and it was, you know, 350 degrees on the field at 7 in the morning, and the grass is already wet. It's a lovely place to be. And I remember going to my spot to stretch the morning that I came back to the team, and I was almost, like, giddy with excitement because I felt like, okay, I'm I'm back where I'm supposed to be. Well, and I know it was God's will. And the peace that I had was that I was living in God's will. But at the time, I didn't realize that. And I remember the first thing that hit me was, how was it that 24 hours prior 
there wasn't a place on the planet I wanted to be less. And how is it that 24 hours later, there's no other place on earth that I'd rather be than here? And I thought, wow, what took place for the power of my for perception to move like that? Mm-hmm. And I know what it was. It was the hand of God reaching out to me in mercy through a beloved uncle that I trusted, who didn't judge me, tell me I was right or wrong. He just listened and said, I love you and I'm there for you. Mm-hmm. And that never left me. And that self-reflection enabled you to become a more mature individual. You're just a kid at the time, and I'm sure it was a life lesson and enabled you to go on and play football for years to come with the Irish. All right, let's take a break. I'm chatting with Michael McGlynn. We'll talk about his new venture, adorehimdaily.org. It launches on December 12th when Blessed to Play returns after this. Lord Jesus Christ, who are called the Prince of Peace, who are yourself our peace and reconciliation, who so often said, Peace to you, grant us peace. Make all men and women witnesses of truth, justice, and brotherly love. Banish from their hearts whatever might endanger peace. Enlighten our rulers that they may guarantee and defend the great gift of peace. May all the peoples of the earth become as brothers and sisters. May longed-for peace blossom forth and reign always over us all. Amen. Welcome back to Blessed to Play. Ron Meyer joined today by Michael McGlynn. Played offensive line for the University of Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish under legendary coach Lou Holtz. He played in a number of bowl games, Orange, Sugar, Cotton, and Fiesta. You don't hear that anymore. Now they always have a sponsor next to their name. So back when they were generic bowl games, Michael played during that era, and he's uh, quite a musician as well. I had the chance to hear him sing in California on a retreat and certainly was blessed by that. And he's involved now in a new venture, adorehimdaily.org. And I know, Michael, that uh, promoting the Catholic faith and spirituality and prayer has been part of your life for a long time. But give us a a little overview of adorehimdaily.org. Absolutely. Adore Him Daily is basically using the power of story to promote the life-changing benefits of Eucharistic adoration. When I left Notre Dame, I left... A different man than when I arrived. And one of the things that primarily drove that difference, that change in me, was that while I was there shortly after this this fall from the team and coming back, I gravitated to the rosary. And I never let go of the rosary. And so really it was through Our Lady that I started to encounter this heart of Christ that I didn't know anything about. I had heard about, but I knew nothing of. And so Many years later, when I was in Nashville pursuing music, I would go to the cathedral daily for daily mass, and then I would do a Eucharistic holy half hour. And then uh, this continued on, and it's been a practice of mine. But about three years ago, I was up in uh, Maryville at uh, the National Shrine of Maximilian Kolbe. I was invited up there by a 
priest friend of mine to be part of a series of presentations, and I presented a um, kind of a, a musical version of this book I had written back in 2011 uh, called Divine Mercy for Your Family, You Are Loved. And I knew that the Lord was trying to tell me something after this. I just was getting comments from people. So when I came back to Kansas City, I said, like, you know what? I need to listen more to him. Let me go to adoration. So I started going to this beautiful adoration room that my uncle, who is a um, retired Monsignor in the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas for over 50 years, he had he had, had built onto his church. And so I started opening and going a couple of days a week. And the long story, uh, short story on this is that what became a couple of days a week ended up becoming a daily prayer for me. And I'm self-employed. I'm a filmmaker. This is how I make my living. And so it's up to me to manage my time every day. And to me, at first, this was a risky proposition. How could I do this? At the time, my wife was working outside the home and my day was limited. But I thought, you know what? If everything collapses because I'm spending some time with God every day, then let it fall. Perhaps that's what needs to happen. You know, he's going to move us somewhere else. And so what I found was that, you know, the business didn't collapse. And actually, shortly a year into it, my wife and I discerned that it was time for her to come into the home full time to really keep an eagle eye on our three teens. They were they were really needing that level of care. What I'm trying to describe here is that my walk into adoration, this calling of our Lord, began to have an ordering effect on our family because I believed that it was beginning to order my heart in a deeper way. And that was really eye-opening for me because I was a daily communicant. I go to adoration at least once a week, go to confession a lot. I pray a lot, not that I'm a saint and not that I don't sin, but I thought, wow, I'm pretty clear on my life. And yet some of the very first items that the Lord started to show me were beams in my own eye. I would go on to discern what it was he was asking me to do. And I just completed it this last February, right as the COVID hit, a recorded version, spoken word version of that recording. But there was something else that he was calling me to, and it took some time to discern it. And it ended up being this work called Adore Him Daily. And just an opportunity to use the power of story Mm -hmm. to really encourage people to venture in and, and, and begin to adore him, if not in a chapel, Certainly in your own home, you can live stream adoration rooms. But even if you don't have that, when Paul said pray without ceasing, he was indicating to us that our state of life as a Christian, as a disciple of Christ, as a Catholic, has to be oriented to the very first couple of lines in the catechism. And that is, as the creation, we're really called to adore God, to give God what is owed to him. But then God gives to us what he wants to give to us which is amazing, and that's what happens. Chatting with Michael McGlynn, former Notre Dame football player, musician. We're talking about his work, adorehimdaily.org. Now, a lot of Catholics are used to just kind of putting things to rote memory. They go through, you know, their their catechism classes. But do you feel that using the power of story to promote the life-changing benefits, in this case, Eucharistic adoration, does it put meat on the bones of faith? This is what I think it's doing. We and, and I'll speak just from the perspective of a man, because it's really all I'm qualified to talk about, but even a father for that matter. I will tell you that in my own experience, most of my life I've taken credit for all the good things that I've done. And 
have really operated under my own strength and power, giving little credit to God. What I now, three-plus years into this daily adoration, uh, have come to realize is that God really arranges everything for us daily, and it's why we shouldn't be afraid. In fact, He is arranging everything because He has to arrange it in order for us to be able to live in such a way to really fulfill His desires um, that He has for us and really the desires that He longs for us to discover. And so what that means is that we, we have permission from God to begin to live and work from a place of rest. Not that we're going to be physically well-rested every day, but what it means is that things are not going to get done during the day that we wanted to do. But if we're open to the action of God in that day, then we're going to fulfill and complete what he willed for us that day. It's going to order our hearts. It's going to give us peace. And over time, it's going to have the galvanizing effect of helping us be more confident in him. And I know that this sounds like some polished soundbite, but I have to tell you that it's easy for me to get emotional when talking about this because I've seen the direct effects in my own life and go, wow, I struggled for years with this, this, and this, and I'm seeing this come crashing down like the walls of Jericho. This is God that's doing this for me. I'm opening up time for him, and look how generous he's being, not only to me, but to my family and to the other people in my life. And it's just been extraordinary. I feel like every time I go to adoration, um, and even when I can't get to adoration, uh, there might be a day where it's just things are impossible and I'm called to, to just serve in an extraordinary way all day with the family or whatever. I'm still opening sublime gifts all day. And it's really helped me really see that God is really intimately involved in our lives and very present for us all day. Adoration is a time where we create capacity for God and I think John of the Cross was the one that spoke about this, create capacity for God and he will fill it. You know, I want to get your insights on what we're going through in contemporary times, because there's more increased suffering now, I think, collectively in our country. Not that it doesn't go on in the rest of the world. There's some horrific suffering in the rest of the world, and we're not going to get into all that. But I think there's a tendency in America that we tend to think God is with us if we get a good result. We we associate that with being blessed. And I guess it is, but it's, you know, when God's working in our life, it's not always about the good result. So maybe you could talk about and link what you're doing with the reality of suffering. Well, you know, today we're, we're taping the show on the feast of, of uh, St. Teresa of Avila. And if there's one thing that this dear saint teaches us is that the path of being faithful to the Lord is going to have some suffering along the way in ways that perhaps the disciple would be surprised and confounded by. I think, though, of Paul's words, in Paul's words, where he says, you know, I brave storm ships and hardships because I knew I was loved by Christ. Now, this is a person that has become completely mature to who God is and who he is. And that in this life, we're going to go through these moments where we're suffering. There's all kinds of different reasons. Suffering is a great mystery to us. It comes and often confounds us in the moment. It's definitely not what we were made for, but it's a reality of living this human experience. Mm -hmm. Jesus continually in the diary of St. Faustina encourages us to contemplate his passion 
and I think it has a twofold purpose. Certainly one is that it helps us bear our sufferings, but it also helps us to contemplate the great love God has for us. And I think that all of us need to have someone in our life, one person outside of God, that we're willing to love and to sacrifice for. Otherwise, we never get an opportunity to grow in that almsgiving, which really is not so much about giving money. It's about putting aside our livelihood for the good of another. And that's where I think that suffering can become actually light and, dare I say, what the saints have written about, even sweet at times. It's impossible for us to think about those things, but again, there's a lot of saints that write about this. There's got to be something to it. Michael, we have a little bit uh, over a minute remaining. For those uh, folks who want to go to adorehimdaily.org on December 12th, what can they expect from going to the site? They're going to see a couple of short films that are going to basically enumerate the value that each of these people have found in the specific action of adoring our Lord and His real presence in the Eucharist. And then also we're going to be launching a live stream show where I'll be interviewing people as well. And so our inaugural interview show will take place that day. And from there, we're just going to use this platform as an opportunity to draw attention to the voice of our Lord, both in his own words, but also the words of his witnesses that had encountered him in his real Eucharistic face. Well, I know you put a lot of time and a lot of effort being a filmmaker, and it's going to come to fruition on this site. And I encourage all our listeners to go to adorehimdaily.org. It launches on December 12th. And uh, I know Michael is very committed to his faith and brings some great insight and through storytelling as well. So you'll feel the emotion and everything that goes along with uh, being changed by the life-changing benefits of Eucharistic adoration. Michael, thanks so much. Always a joy to talk with you. And uh, I look forward to uh, checking out the site when it launches on December 12th. And thanks for telling a little bit about it right here on Blessed to Play. Ron, thank you so much. You know, I tell you, in these dark times, we're so used to hearing negative news. This is an opportunity for people to hear the good news. We need to be speaking the good news, and the church and its mission needs to be shining brighter than ever before. Yeah, thanks so much. Hey, Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow the show on Twitter at Blessed to Play. For Michael McGlynn, I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.